welcome to the Divorce Coaches Academy podcast with co-founders and hosts, Tracy Callahan and Deborah Doak. Each week, we tackle another tough topic to help professional divorce coaches maximize client impact and cultivate thriving practices. We also want to spread the word about the expertise and value that certified divorce coaches bring to the table. At DCA, we are committed to ongoing learning and we value generosity among divorce coaching professionals. We believe that when one succeeds, we all succeed. Welcome back to Divorce Coaches Academy podcast. I'm Tracy and I'm here with Deborah. I hope you all are finding yourselves well. Today, we are talking about one of the most important things, I believe, in the divorce coaching process and probably one of the most overlooked concepts in the divorce coaching process. And this is the idea of a divorce budget. So I'm going to ask you this. Are your clients looking for a Lamborghini divorce on a Kia budget? Right? Not not unheard of, Deb. Happens all the time. All the time. It happens all the time. And one of the reasons that happens is because there is this prevailing assumption that when somebody starts thinking about divorce, the first step they should take is hire an attorney, right? Yep. Need your reaction. Yeah. That's the the only thing they know. (laughs) A conditioned response. Yes. Historically, culturally, societally, the concept is, is if you want a divorce, hire a divorce attorney, a family law attorney. Family law. That the process is complicated. It's scary. You need an attorney or you'll get screwed. Okay. That's the, it's the assumption. And we see that in clients all the time. We also know that because lawyers.com did a survey and they actually surveyed tons and tons and tons of people online and found out that 67% of respondents had hired a full service attorney to assist with their divorce. So two thirds. It's a lot. It's a high so that, that confirms, right, our experience and what we think is going on. But the most interesting part of this survey was this. The number one reason, the thing with the highest percentage at 75% of all the issues people hired attorneys to help them with in their divorce, attorney fees. <laughs> people hired attorneys to get attorney fees from their spouse. I know. And it just makes me laugh. Hired an attorney. (laughs) And then they had to use their attorney because they couldn't afford to pay their attorney. (laughs) This is the definition of insanity. um, It's, it's a little insane. The tail wagging the dog of, of backwards, backwards thinking, right? Thinking. Yes. Backwards thinking. Yeah. And, and, and this concept, right. Of the, the sort of conditioned response of what people believe hire an attorney to get divorced. The other thing that they go blindly into is the concept of how much that divorce process is going to cost them. Mm -hmm. What funds do they have access to? How much are they willing to spend? How much can they spend? And, and what are they going to get 
in that process. So, so that's why I laugh of the, the concept of 75% of people who retained attorneys actually retained an attorney to get their attorney fees paid for in their divorce process. And it is, it's kind of illogical. So how, how do we as divorce coaches help clients really navigate this, really explore this, really make some informed decisions? Because like I said, as clients go into this process blindly, it is one of the biggest things that is not discussed. All that's discussed is I I need to hire an attorney, get an attorney, not what is that attorney going to cost me? How much can I afford to pay for an attorney? So people will do whatever they can to ramble up that retainer fee, right? Thinking, okay, if I could just cover the retainer fee, I'll be okay which in reality, we know that's not true as well. The retainer fee is just where one, that's just where we start. That's yes. not where we end up. Mm-hmm. And often the that misconception, right? Okay, well, I, I got $7,000 and I put it down as for my retainer fee, but now I just got an invoice and I went through my $7,000 and we're only a month into this. And we really haven't done anything yet, right? There's been no action taken. And Mm -hmm. now I have another charge of another $5,000. Where Mm -hmm. is that $5,000 going to come from? And then panic mode sets in, Mm -hmm. right? And then this, this fear of their divorce process is now magnified because I have to have this attorney. I have to keep this attorney. Where is the money going to come from? So that's why, although I say it's illogical, I guess it does make sense in regards to one's decision-making process of I've got to get an attorney to be able to have somebody pay for my attorney. Yeah. And, and we know allocation of court fees, right? Uh, fees in court, it can be deemed that your spouse has to pay for your attorney fees or a percentage of your attorney fees. Mm-hmm. But, but most courts will say each other's attorney fees are considered marital and they're split out of the marital funds. So the money is coming from somewhere. Even if you then say, okay, well, your spouse is responsible for paying your attorney fees. Are they not necessarily coming out of the marital pool of funds, which in essence is your money as well? Right. Right. You're paying one way or the other. You're robbing Peter to pay Paul. Yeah. is exactly what you're doing. Right. So it goes back to your client's initial values and goals. So often we will hear, right? I want to do what's best for my kids. I really want to have an amicable divorce. Mm -hmm. My spouse is uh, financially sensitive. I know they don't want to spend a lot of money on this. Great. Let's hone in on those goals. Let's state them. And then, and then talk through, okay, if you want to meet those goals, shielding your kids from conflict, making sure you're making decisions in their best interest, setting up an environment where you might be able to have a civil co-parenting relationship after this, and you're going to minimize the amount of your marital wealth 
that you're going to hand over to other people and maximize the amount you keep for yourself, Mm. what would we need to do to make decisions and act in ways that are consistent with those goals? Absolutely. And and I don't mean to correlate this, a divorce process to something like remodeling your kitchen, right? But if we're going to remodel our kitchen, right, we often start with a budget first. What can we afford, right? Yeah. So then once we have those goals, right, and those expectations of what it is, we want our divorce process to look like, or what are we hoping to accomplish in our divorce process? Just like, okay, what do I want my kitchen to look like? Right. right. I oh, s- I wanted granite countertops. Crap. Right. Yeah. There, we do a little research, right? We figure out how much that is, is, is the GE stove versus the Wolf oven versus a sub-zero fridge versus a melee, whatever it is, right? You don't go into that process of remodeling your kitchen blindly. You do some research, you figure out what it's going to cost, and then you make determinations about how you want to utilize that allocation of funds Mm -hmm. to the best of its ability to make your kitchen look as awesome as you hope it can be the same in divorce, right? So when we don't, our clients aren't asking themselves those questions or doing the research or sort of making some assumptions in regards to how much, how many hours it's going to take, what the hourly rates are. They're, They're doing this and setting themselves up for crisis because that's what happens when Absolutely. clients run out of money and, th- mm-hmm. and their attorneys now want to get paid and they're halfway through their case, they maybe haven't even gotten to any sense of case management or conference or settlement negotiation, they're going to be in crisis mode. And, and be mad at their attorney. Oh, and and yes, a whole bunch And be of mad others. at their attorney, right? Yeah. So, <clears throat> pardon me. Let me back up just a minute too and say, as we're deciding about remodeling our kitchen, as we're thinking about starting our divorce process, creating that budget, how much do I want to spend? How much do I have access to? The other thing to think about is, yes, you may have access to more money. Maybe you do have $1,000 or $100,000 sitting in a money market account that you could spend on your divorce. Mm Mm-hmm. What's the opportunity cost? Yes. So I have a, I have the money. I have it there to spend. I could spend $100,000 on my kitchen remodel and get all the things. Bells and whistles. Yeah. But what's the opportunity cost? Well, if I spend all of that on my kitchen, now I can't pay for my kid's college or I can't take that, you know, great trip to Italy that I've been wanting to, or I can't take those courses at university or start that business. or So also considering the opportunity cost, just because the money is available to spend on divorce doesn't mean if we're intentional about money as a tool, that it's what I want to do. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. The opportunity costs are extremely, extremely relevant. And, and again, I think it's, this is often as people believe that they don't have any choices. Well, what is my choice, right? Clients will say to me, well, I don't have any choices. I'm going to have to use this money. But we as divorce coaches can help them sort of explore those choices, explore Mm -hmm. those opportunity costs and look at potential opportunities for them to be able to achieve their goals in, in a manner that is consistent with the allocation or the earmark that they want to do in regards to the financial resources they have. The other thing I think is really important too to recognize with clients is, you know, as we started, clients that want a Lamborghini divorce on a Kia budget, even if they have the ability to engage in a Lamborghini divorce, right? They're willing to throw in, get the most expensive attorney, the best one known, pull in all of these experts, forensic accountants, whatever it is, because they feel that they are going to do this and they're going to do it really well. And the expectation often is, is the more money I spend on my divorce, the better my settlement is going to be. And, Mm -hmm. And that is often a false expectation right? I have a client who just recently just is carrying a, uh, a attorney bill of $125,000 that is combined with some uh, financial experts. And it was a bit of a complicated financial case. They were set to go to trial. And you want to guess what happened? Mm. What did the judge say to them? Basically, the judge turned around and said, go to mediation, (laughs) forced him into court mediation. Now, right, spent $125,000. We've got all this discovery. We've got all this stuff. The the judges basically said, go figure it out yourselves. They went into mediation. They didn't, they ran an impasse, came back and said, okay, we had an impasse. We tried, but here we are. We're ready for trial. Do you know what the judge did again? Go back to mediation. (laughs) Go back to mediation. This happened three times, Mm. three times. And they did get to a settlement negotiation in mediation with the the understanding. So now these clients just spent probably close to a quarter of a million dollars combined and in getting their divorce and ended up in a process, a settlement negotiation process that they might've been able to do well from the start. Before, yeah. From the start, yeah. well before yeah. that quarter of a million dollars was mm-hmm. just spent yeah. Yeah. on, on legal fees and court processes and engagement in what they believe to have been an opportunity to prove their case in court. Right, right. So asking, right, what is it I hope to gain by spending more? So I had a client just earlier this week whose attorney said, looks like we need to hire a forensic accountant. And my client said, okay, right. Mm -hmm. 
how much do you think that'll be? And then attorney said, mm, probably $20,000, $25,000. So she and I were meeting and I said, okay, well, tell me more. Yeah. It turns out what they need is a business evaluation, which can be as little as $2,500, mm-hmm. maybe $5,000, mm-hmm. right? It's a straight business evaluation. It's mm-hmm. not a whole forensic investigation looking for fraud, doing any of that. It's a business evaluation. So, you know, again, helping them understand their budget. What are you hoping to gain by spending this money? What is my objective? Mm -hmm. And helping them have a lot of clarity around that. So as a divorce coach, one of the things you can really do is move this up to the very beginning of your coaching relationship. Yes. One of the first, one of the first conversations, right? Exploratory. Exploratory. So yes, your client may, as part of their initial decision-making process, need to consult with attorneys, Mm -hmm. right? There's no formula for spousal support in most states. If they're trying to get an idea what Mm -hmm. spousal support might be, or if they have grounds to claim this or that as separate property and that it's not community or marital, or they have some other particularly um, legal questions that they want to know what their standing is, great. They should go consult. Yes. So that they understand their position. Yes. But then let's talk about divorce budget. What's your intention? Yes. And, and I think to that point, right, is it's really important as divorce coaches, we can help educate clients to understand also the difference between that they have options there, right? The consultative attorney. Yes. Who consults, right. Mm -hmm. Who will answer questions and then the retainment of an attorney and what Correct. those two different things look like and what are the financial obligations in those two differences are, are, are huge. Often. They're huge, so, right? So A even, full scope versus right. consulting. Right. So being yes. able to have that information and then be able to perhaps dedicate a small amount of money or a limited amount of funds in a consultative attorney process where they might be able to have some of their legal questions answered, right? If mm-hmm. they are legal advisement questions, which we as divorce coaches do not engage in providing legal advice or engaging in the unauthorized practice of law. But then, right? Sitting back and looking at that budget, right, Deb? And and yeah. I think when when clients are making determinations about this, I think it's also important to help clients identify as they're working on their budget, where are their funding sources? Do they have access to funding sources? Can right. they borrow money from friends or family? Or do they have equity in the home that they might be able to take a home equity line of credit if it is determined that they need to move forward with a, a process that might be more costly or borrowing against a, a for withdrawing money from a 401k. And there's also lots of new divorce funding companies that provide mm-hmm. opportunities aside from private personal loans, right? opportunities specific to lending money for a divorce process. But again, just because those things might 
be available to a client doesn't necessarily mean that that it's the right decision for them. That requires an exploratory process that's really deemed on sort of those expectations, those goals, those values, as well as those opportunity costs. For sure. You know, the other thing I think we can help clients understand, and this is part of the education process and help set aside some of those fears, is we can start at the lowest cost, lowest conflict alternative. And then there is a whole host of choices that you can step up to if prior methods fail. Yeah. Right. So we can start down here at Mm -hmm. either the two of you trying to have some conversations or a pro se mediation. If that doesn't work, then we bring in some consulting attorneys and we try that. So we have the opportunity to step up that they're never going to be asked to make decisions without information. I think so many people don't understand disclosure and discovery and, and, and so they think they have to have. Mm -hmm. Um, So we add so much value, but I guess what we just wanted to bring to your attention today is being intentional about moving that discussion with your client really to the beginning of your relationship is how important being intentional about how much they're spending and what they want to do yeah, yeah. with their money and divorce. I couldn't agree more. Mm-hmm. It's an overlooked conversation it is an, frequently, an, an, and we're screaming from the rooftop about it. Because it's really needed, right? Which was yeah. also helps some of that anger and resentment and disappointment that people often feel in their divorce process, right? Yeah. It sort of starts at square one. And square one is just as you said, figuring out, moving on a continuum, right? Right. From a least costly, least time expenditure to the other end of that continuum, most costly and most time consuming, right? Right. And and you don't have to just jump from a hundred. You can start at one and maybe Mm -hmm. go to five and then maybe go to 20, depending on individual circumstances and needs. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, thanks for joining us today. We hope you found our discussion about divorce budget helpful so that you can um, talk with your client. If they're thinking Lamborghini divorce, but they're telling you they have a Kia budget, we've given you some tips to process that with them so that they can make decisions that are right for them. And we hope you'll join us again next week. Thanks for joining us for the Divorce Coaches Academy podcast. If you enjoyed today's show, please give us a rating on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcasting app. It helps other divorce professionals find us and add to the conversation. And don't forget to follow us on social media to be the first to know when we add new classes and events. We'll be back next week with another topic to help you maximize client impact, create a thriving business, and promote the value of professional divorce coaching.